are on. Welcome to the first of what I hope to be many chats this month. It is Men's Health Awareness Month and we have a habit of talking about men's health awareness, I think, from a point of awareness. There's plenty of that, but we don't have a tendency always to actually have or witness chats about men to men. And this whole strength in speaking narrative only goes so far, I think, as to we actually have to see people lead by example. And that's really what I wanted these conversations to be about. So give me a moment. Let me just... Hi, Tracy, Andy, James. There you go. Along in a moment. And that should be everyone. And as you see, everyone's in front of me. Morning, Dan. You right, mate? Look at that. What a boy band. Oh, you've got it right there. How are you all? Yeah, well, mate. Yeah, who's apprehensive? Because you're all nervous already. No, no, I'm just checking out the tash. <laughs> what tash? I like it, mate. It's a strong look. <laughs> I never grow facial hair. And um, I thought I'd give it a crack this month. Why not? I like it. I like it. I don't know whether I keep it. Because either that or I'm starting my own OnlyFans. <laughs> it might just be only Dan, so whoever's going to buy pictures of the feet, Fair enough, man. Thanks for um, joining me as the baptism into what I meant to be. Many of these chats just into stuff. It doesn't need to be dark. It doesn't need to be silly stuff. We're just, just getting guys together. I don't know whether you caught the, the initial part of the chat, but... I, I, th I think we see a lot of this strength in speaking narrative, but leading by example and actually putting that into action is a less of what I see. And more within that, actually like listening and actually hearing about other men's experiences, which I think would be really, really cool to start. Yeah, 100%. What can I ask? I'll go around each one of you how you appear on my screen, please. Um, what attracted you to this conversation? Because, you, you know, very kindly, I should tell people that onlookers at least, that um, I reached out to these guys, asked them to want to be a part of it. Uh, they very kindly given up their time. But I feel like it was very forthcoming as well. I didn't have to twist your arm. So why, why do you feel this, is, this chat is important? James, can I start with you, mate? Um, yeah, obviously, we've had our conversations outside of like being online on Instagram, we've, we've obviously dialogues um, through text or, you know, through Instagram, like privately about how important it is to talk about it and how, how important it is to listen to each other and to, to be sympathetic to everybody's individual circumstances. And obviously it's important to talk about how our own coping mechanisms for everybody, you know, has different ways of dealing with their own mental health. Um, and um, yeah, I think, for me, I think it's just important to keep shedding light on it, putting light on the situation for for every man has different circumstances and everybody's outcomes and their way of dealing with their mental health is different. Um, and sometimes I might listen to you and think, oh, shit, that's, that's something that's really important that I wouldn't necessarily use as a coping mechanism. And I'll, I'll add that to my sort of like school and my armory of things to do with, you know, deal with different issues. I might have listened to somebody else who's on here today and think, oh, that's a really interesting way of looking at things. I'll add that to my way of dealing with my mental health. So yeah, that's yeah. it for me. Thank you, mate. Yeah, I think that, that, that difference is in, in 
perspective and differences and experience is so important to hear about, which is, you know, why I want to band together as many group of guys as possible to have these candid conversations. How about you, mate, Andy? Um, yeah, very similar. I think it's something that I think the generation that I'm from, which you guys may be from the same one, is, was is always very much kind of, you don't really speak about your feelings or you don't speak about what... I'm going to speculate and say we're all around the same years young. Yeah. About probably so yeah so I think it's 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 very important I think especially the way that the world's moving and the way that the world is at the moment I think it's extremely important to have these conversations with people and be able for people to understand that regardless of what you say you know it's an open forum and you know it's it's you know we all have our worries we've all got our issues and it's just about being able to broach that with other people you know and you know there's always if you can have a conversation like this that may help somebody that's if it helps one person that's all it needs to help like if it helps more happy to yeah. yeah amazing thank you mate uh, and tom I, I i feel like i know the answer to this but i'll, I'll let you get right away with it <laughs> you're saying i repeat myself then. no 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 um, no I um I really like the idea of kind of I think all this pressure on men is to talk right and um and, and yes of course we've got to if you it, we need to be talking about stuff but what if you don't know how or what if you don't have the words or the vocabulary right and I think it, we can go around talking about mental health awareness till the cows come home but I think sometimes just trying to go first is um can be really useful for people and I know there is I've heard if I listening on other conversations um you just hear these little nuggets and you think like oh man that 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 just sounds like like me and i didn't know how to articulate it i didn't know how to say that when i was asking for help and i feel yeah just demonstrating rather than making people aware and then just like leaving them to get on with it um sometimes it can be useful you know to to, to go first and to, to demonstrate what we're asking people to do is yeah. yeah amazing that, that's such a good point i think because um we, there is a demand. There's demand. Be vulnerable. Speak. But uh, you know, Andy, you mentioned about our generations. I wasn't equipped with those skills. I didn't know anything about emotional granularity. I was, I was angry, happy, or sad. Or you know, apart from that, I couldn't pinpoint what other emotions I was necessarily feeling. Let alone how to express those safely. I guess because a lot of things I see speculation around men, especially is this like anger and anger being inherently a bad thing and i think anger is very warranted it's often response to injustice sometimes but that is how a lot of us express those things because we're not taught how to uh, necessarily uh, articulate what we're feeling at any one time sorry james i interrupted you you was going to say something there mate no mate i just think it's certainly that point like anger being a sort of not a respected emotion but one you need to learn how to regulate and one that you need to be like mindful of and um as a man especially i think sometimes you you get angry and you like don't know how to cope with that emotion and it's not necessarily socially acceptable to be angry but like you said it is a normal response to sometimes when you feel a sense of injustice but then it's regulating that it's like how do you find that you know sense of equilibrium and find like yeah that was an emotional response i felt really triggered by that but how do I overcome and not let it affect the rest of my life and like not let it suddenly like that old analogy of like one of your tires is pun been punctured and you just suddenly go around and slash the other three. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And it's like sometimes when somebody really triggers you, 
you're like let it affect the rest of your whole day and i something that i really have to try and work on of it not affecting the rest of my life and sort of burning the rest of my house down just because i've had like one disagreement or one little bit of a anger you know or a setback of some kind because mm -hmm. anger i think really is something that people naturally associate with violence and mm. you know we can condemn violence especially when how it is spoken there has been some like really egregious stuff that's happened well at least been more prevalent or maybe in the public eye with uh, violence especially um but being angry doesn't necessarily mean being violent condemn violence because it's one of those things that happens especially when it you know whatever the dynamics that with between men and women or men and men because you know there's that power dynamic i think with men sometimes and violence is a way of or has been a way of dealing with things. Because I know, Andy, you, you, you just work on the doors, right? You must have witnessed quite a lot of that. Yeah, I think it's, it's one of those ones, I think, you, it, it can be quite difficult, but a lot of it's about being able to understand where it comes from. Um, come if you can when doing the doors you've kind of got to understand where it comes from the op, the other person when you're when it's kicking off and um, so things like knocking people back you can understand it's probably ruined their night that's just the way it's going to be like you've got to understand that anger but i think a lot of it is, is about having the sort of little things in place where you can diffuse situations and yes even works for yourself so like you start to get angry what's the thing that's going to help diffuse you is it going to be venting in some way is it going to be turning around and going, you, Jesus, giving up all the expletives in the world, does that make you feel better and just ease it off straight away? Because if it does, that's actually probably quite a good way to get rid of it. Um, for me, it's always been humour. Like, it's always been about um, humour. Humour diffuses a situation most of the time, regardless if it's with me, myself, or if it's with somebody else that you're potentially having a sort of an argument with. Humour will always break that, sort of break the, sort of the aggression side of stuff, because most folk don't want to have a fight when you're laughing, so it's, it kind of works. So yeah, it's um, it's a very it's an interesting one because I I I I try to focus I try to use my anger and focus it to help me and to drive me through um, and not really nothing nothing sinister about it but it's just it's been able to kind of mould it and use it for you so all these emotions that you're going to come across and and my what my thoughts are is are all mouldable they're all usable you just need to know where and when to put them there. Yeah, it's that healthy application of it, isn't it? Because I think yeah. I often joke, for example, that anger got me through my 20s. <laughs> like, it did, but then it lent itself well to, I guess, what's more societally celebrated, like working hard, working long hours. But then the byproducts that can lead to unhealthy things. And I felt work, especially being like an unhealthy crutch to fall on, and that when I'm struggling, I can immerse myself in, in work because it's almost like um high functioning anxiety because of the, the stress and anger and the overall one experiencing from the out world the outer world this is a really positive way to, to apply myself yeah because um that brought, that brings to the foresight like something i know you specifically wanted to mention tom because we, we talk about all the i guess things in terms of like happy mental health if you like and um, things that are in our control, breath work, or punches and journaling and all these other things, but there are less tangible things, or, or things we're less control of that do contribute quite a lot to that. Um, one being financial implications, especially with the economics of the place at the moment and 
I think it, it leans on, for men especially, a sense of identity and what historically, typically, men being the providers, etc. And um, just kind of, because I want to open this conversation out, just like, talk about this, <laughs> indulge me for a minute. Because I think when Mila, my eldest, was born, we'd been trying to conceive for a couple of years, wasn't coming, you know, easily. And we were just in the process of beginning the IVS process. My wife changed her job. And uh, it was, I can't even remember how it was, like eight weeks in or something, she fell pregnant, you know, over the moon, she fell pregnant. Because she got her job within the probationary period of her um, new role, she was refused maternity pay. Now, as someone that was self-employed at the time, I was already working a bunch of hours and uh, you, you guys, you're all self-employed as well. Is that right? Yeah. So that, that comes with implications to you can never be complacent where the work is coming from. So I know at the time, the upheaval of becoming a, a parent for the very first time is the first time I went to the doctors and postnatal depression was mentioned to me. Um, working as many hours as possible, not being as hands-on as a dad as I could be as possible, I felt I could. The guilt, shame of always wanting to do more, earn more, it became just an amalgamation of stuff that really negatively affected my mental health at that time. That's not anyone's fault in particular, but the finances and the financial pressure of that and having to provide for my family really challenged my sense of what it was to be a man and how much pressure there was on me at that time. Mm, that's, um, I mean, I think it's something that's probably not talked about enough is the, st like the basics, right? Like having enough money, like that's fucking huge, man, you know? And we know all these things are really good for our mental well-being and you go into the gym and physical activity and all this sort of stuff. Like, if I'm worried about my finances, the first thing I give up is all stuff like that. My gym membership goes, right? Do you know what I mean? The stuff that I enjoy and that keeps me well is the first stuff that I would have to give up to have enough money to keep the lights on or the heating on or stuff like that. And the, the, the pressure, I had a situation, um, it's kind of why I mentioned it to you really, Dan, I had a situation this summer um, where I kind of like took my eye off the ball probably a little bit with my, my business and didn't really factor in some things that were happening and um yeah i had a pretty close call with it right after a long time of, of being self-employed i had a tough a tough summer and it really was thinking like right the mortgage is due in two weeks where's that gonna come from and i've been skinned before i'm a working class lad i've always been a bit skinned but i've never been that skinned and uh the the pressure that that, that puts on your mental state because you can't escape it. Every time I stepped out, I felt like I was hemorrhaging money. Every time the petrol light came on in my car, I was thinking, fuck man, have I got a fiver just to get this light off? Like you, you cannot stop worrying about it. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it's, uh, and it creeps in. And I don't know what the solutions are, right? I don't think there is one. I just think it's important to acknowledge because if you've got someone in that situation and every time they're out there looking for help and support, they're getting told, go to gym. Start doing ice baths. Do you know what I mean? Come and do my yoga class and it'll sort all this out. And it's like, well, that's going to cost me a fucking tenner that I haven't got for a start. Do you know what I mean? You cannot escape that crushing pressure. And I can see why people start ignoring the letters. I didn't want to look in my, I didn't want to open the banking app because I don't want to see. I know it's not and I don't want to deal with it. You can see why people put their head in the sand. You can see why it builds up. You can see why it's just a, an awful situation um, to be in. And like you said, Dan, it does affect how you feel about yourself 
as a man as the providing role in your in your family you think fucking hell man my, you know my kids are going to start getting hungry it's going to be my fault my fault right and it's uh, yeah it's pressure man serious pressure yeah i think that's an important point to address because you know it tends to be what instagram popular is all of the stuff that you can and i think that comes with a little bit of privilege as well because I notice, especially when you hear certain people talk about food, for example, and, you know, it's just eat more fruit. Well, you know, a pint of blueberries might cost you four quid, for example. But then if you're a single mum with a couple of kids and it's a case of do I put 10 quid on my electric card or do I buy these, like, five as the smart meals that I keep it? Like, you know, I'm not thinking about food quality. I'm not thinking about nutritional density. I'm just thinking about full bellies. And I, I don't... I think that's you know distinctly just men, but I do think with uh, with men and maybe societal expectations. I think this is shifting a little bit, um, but with, when we talk about the workplace and the infrastructure that's set up, it's that um, affording women the the things that we hope for equality-wise, especially when it comes to parental leave and maternity pay and things like that. Is it? It has to almost be given in equal measure to men as well, because. You know, if, if you want to be a hands-on parent, for example, and you do want to take off paternity leave uh, in equal measure to your wife, depending on which one wants to go back to work. Because for a lot of people, it is a toss-up between, do I pay another mortgage a month for these nursery bills, or do I just make an extra 50 quid and I don't see that much of my kid? Like, I do understand why a lot of people have to make the choice in that. Um, but, you know, I, I think... Uh, implications are across the board so you can do all the happy clappy shit but if you haven't got other things which are often out of your control in place it's what's the solution that i think is is having um the safe space and making it less taboo because i think there's shame about talking about finances you know because i know when i've been on my arse you you don't, don't want to tell everyone that because it's like well everyone else has kind of got it to be the work on it Again, I, I've been on my ass financially many times. I mean, as a skin student and many times through my adult life, you know, my wife and I have had to go through things, especially pandemic, where um, essentially I lost two thirds of my business, you know, and it was it essentially fell down to her to, to cover the mortgage and stuff until I could reestablish myself. But again, like self-employed is, there's peaks and troughs, right? And that does have a massive pressure on yourself. Sorry, James, you can say no, something. Mate, Wanted to apologise. Sorry, there was a guy coming to say no, that's right. apologies, and I just had to go and speak to him. But no, um, I think there's always that societal pressure, and it's something we probably put ourselves under. It's probably something that we don't necessarily, our partners or our family, would necessarily expect from us. But I think sometimes as men, it's probably quite an outdated, prehistoric kind of way of thinking that we are the, the provider, we are the one who has to sort of make sure. And we're living in a different world now. Like you know, the world that my dad would have lived in, where we you know, it was a single income household would have been completely different. But I think still it's hard for us to shake that off of sort of that mentality that we, if we fall on our ass, that we're letting our family down, we're letting the people around us down. And then in turn, that pressure just results in a downward spiral that like, then you're less inclined to lessen necessarily be upbeat with your clients. You're less inclined to be upbeat with your partner. And it's self, you know, eventually self prophesizing that you won't you get yourself into a downward spiral you know you have less clients so therefore you're more stressed about money you're more stressed about money so therefore your relationship with your partner then becomes more difficult and then it's just 
ever decreasing circles. And um, I think, yeah, it's really important to have this conversation with the four of us where we say, like, we've all been in that situation. So many people on social media will be like, I'm always winning. Do you yeah. mean it's everything great? Like, well, it's not the reality. Like, no one's like, I've just opened my own place. And then the reality is it looked brilliant on Instagram, but I'm out here today digging out a hole with like, you know, putting aggregate down. I'm not going to put that on Instagram. Do you mean no one shows you those losses, yeah. right? They're all showing you their wins. Yeah, yeah. But that's, I mean, that's a whole other conversation. Isn't it? Yeah, 100%. The, trans the transparency of social media. Like, you know, yeah. I always... I, um, sorry, I, just, I think that was a, a wonderful point, James, you just met, mentioned there uh, like at the start when you said that we put that pressure on ourselves, right? Yeah. Because it's so true. Like, my missus never said to me, like, you're a failure, we need more money, like, nothing at all. And I... I wouldn't even, dis I'm not a particularly like blokey bloke. I've never thought I was. I've never been that, that type of person either. So it's not even like a stereotypical mm. masculinity, but it, it's, it's a self stigma, isn't it? It's like, it's, it's so ingrained in us. I can articulate it now, but at the time when things have been really bad for me, I wouldn't, before I had the words, I couldn't have articulated. It was in my, in my DNA almost, you know? I couldn't explain what masculinity was, but I fucking behaved as if I had to live up to some idea of it without even knowing how to talk about it. But yeah, yeah. like you said, it's, we put that pressure on ourselves, right? That's, um, that's mad, really, when you think about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Genetics, it's when you get the barbecue, you know straight away, man and fire, <laughs> yeah. where it works. You get the steak saying, I'm in charge of the barbecue, this is how it goes. I've never been taught before, but <laughs> <laughs> There's a bear that needs fighting in the woods. That's your job. Exactly. Yeah. Fire on. You look at what we're exposed to, and it's this in the cartoons we watch. It's, you know, I, I, we all grew up in the 90s. It was Arnold Schwarzenegger. It was Sly Stallone. It was, you know, our, our movie heroes. I was a bit of a comic book geek, so it was, it was all like, I didn't have a positive male role model in my life. So, I guess I look to what I was exposed to in the media, right? And that is what embodied a man. A man looked a certain way, you know, a man acted a certain way. Um, a man, you know, the many other things that we can think about. But um, yeah, when we think, when we talk about these things, there is a whole lot of self stigma with that. And I think much to the point that you wanted to mention, James, is like that does feed into your self-esteem and that blame, that shame, you know, it does knock your confidence. Because I think so many of us, and I can certainly attest for this in my early 20s, you're essentially your survival mode, just trying to get through. Because we, we, you know, it, it's very, it's not ad adaptive, it's maladaptive. Like everything is happening by accident, especially when we talk about, um, people talk about mental health on the internet, I think it's, um, what they don't account for is like privilege, if they've had very big, you know, they've, they've been very fortunate as in stable upbringing, being financially stable, everything else. Um, luck, I don't think I ever hear anyone just say, do you know, what's the luck of the circumstances? And also survivorship bias is it's often people will look to the top uh, achieving 10%. I think that is the norm. But something I especially see in the, um, the fitness space at the moment is this normalised view in that if you're not earning £10,000 a month, you're a failure. I've never earned 10,000 pounds a month consistently. You know, when I got into the fitness industry, you walked into an entry level job at probably 14K a year, and then you bump that up with your PT hours. The average UK income is 30K. 
So where do some fitness professionals get off with the expectation that you walk in earning 120k a year? You've got social media, and unfortunately, it's the rise of the business coach. There are a few very good business coaches that know what they're talking about, but the majority of them, the reason that they're making 10 grand a month is because they found 10 unsuspecting poor bastards that are paying a thousand pounds a month to be taught what they failed at. And the majority of them have never had a successful fitness business. Like, there was a guy up in Edinburgh here, literally, was in a gym for about three months, failed couldn't get a client and then three weeks later he's a, a business coach telling people how to run a business it's like mate you didn't fucking do it yourself what are you talking about yeah. like this is it's and it's the problem is, is it's, it's because he's good at marketing mm. if you can market yourself properly you can you can sell anything like yeah. and genuinely it's, it's one of those it's the same thing with the these motivational speakers and stuff like that it's like oh just if you don't like your job fuck it throw it away who cares about the mortgage and the kids it's like yeah that's great but you've got a fucking trust fund mummy and daddy own a fucking uh, a diamond mine in zimbabwe you can you yes you can walk away from your job the person that's got two kids a wife and he's got dependents he's got his mum's in a home somewhere how the hell is he supposed to walk away from his mortgage you can't you can't walk away from the job it doesn't work like that but social media is very good at showing the as you said exactly as you said that top percentile of people who have made it or fake it to look like they've made it so and that's, yeah. that's, that's no i think we've you know very much the same as you know, I don't want to pick on the fitness industry too much. No, let's go with it. It's fine. <laughs> I feel like, um, like the reason why I mentioned privilege is like a lot of the people that will reflect on maybe what they haven't done that they tell people they've done now is that they've essentially got themselves to a position of authority because it was appearing half naked on the internet. I'm talking about guys here, specifically guys that are springing to mind. Some girls as well, definitely. But it's, it's not your words of wisdom you've uh, accumulated, that huge social currency is essentially you spent the majority of your life getting naked. That's what appeals to a certain audience to be able to position yourself like this. You know, there's nothing necessarily or inherently wrong with that, but just accept it for what it is. Don't make the narrative around you and your success and your business acumen. It's we know what sells. Right? capitalizing on people's insecurities sells very easily um, and I think there's great power in knowing that and choosing to do it differently because I, I think and I suspect there are many that know better and still choose not to do better and actually look I'm just gonna you know we can all think of many influencers that Photoshop that they tweak things they do their sponsored ad and again you know it's a a way of living with some people i just think there is a line which you're, you're willing to do that's the de detriment of other people's health yeah unfortunately so yeah there's and also as well like there's a i don't know who it is i can't remember obviously it's popping up recently it's quite funny where she just she shows like a video of her doing like a, a ab workout but basically it's all shot from behind <laughs> like and i've like Think there's not a million times in my life or that I ever stand behind a client where they're doing squats. Like you always stand, like where they make sure that they feel comfortable. Like when would you ever shoot like that sort of stuff? And it's just like trying to make out that that's beneficial to a client whilst you're showing as much as your body mm. as possible. I just, you know, I I'll be honest. I don't know about you, but I've never worked out shirtless next to a client. But yeah, that seems 
seems to be sort of a, a common thing online. Just on, like, just, do you mean? Just on Tuesdays. Just, yeah. just on Tuesdays. <laughs> 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 I, I, what's going on? I do. I just don't put it on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, James. I distract, detracted from your point ever slightly because you you've you mentioned specifically self-esteem, and um, when we're talking about things and your confidence and your your role in the world as a as a I guess a bloke. Um, to link it in with the financial thing that we were talking about, especially is, you know, when you don't, like I'm going to make a bold statement out there, and I think a lot of the showboating that I saw in my 20s was probably guilty itself, was essentially like from a place of self esteem and self worth, it didn't feel good enough. It came from a place of insufficiency, so I played up to it, you know, and it is that's when you, you delve into. I don't know, like party delving into like I want to look a certain way in the gym because I want to embody a certain um and I think that has huge implications. And I think from a role model point of view, again, why I wanted to have these conversations is there's younger blokes looking at this stuff, like wondering where their identity and where their place is in the world and that they've got to emulate a certain look uh, to fit in. You don't. Like you carve out your own identity and they're likely is um like-minded people out there even if you're not aware of in with i think for me like going back to self-esteem in my 20s i was somebody who's very high confidence low self-esteem and ultimately you sort of put a plaster across that with you know whatever it may be you know posing in a certain way and you know for yourself like dan you talked about like obviously what you did in your 20s with like you know necessarily being a cover model and all that sort of stuff for me it was probably more drugs and drink and you know being more like putting a sort of plaster over like my self-esteem issues and then most of my 30s and 40s have been trying to work out like how to have better self-esteem and then trying to try and nurture i think as well like i was probably made to feel guilty about being confident before and now it's trying to find like being confident is not a bad thing. Do you know what I mean? It's just becoming arrogance is an issue. Like, and trying to find that balance between confident and being assured in what you are and who you are and having good self-esteem, which then facilitates other people around you having confidence and good self-esteem. So, yeah, I think, going back to your original point, working on self-esteem is a massive issue. Like, it is, like, and I know I'm still trying to figure it out and trying to still work on it and being part of this forum and you know talking like this is being honest and being completely open saying yeah I've still got self-esteem issues it is what it is like I'm just, I'm going to always going to keep continually working on myself with it. Mm. It's, it's the same as any process though isn't it it's not something that's going to stick in place every single day the exact same way you're going to have to adapt and change the way that you look at yourself across your life you know it's the same thing as we try to tell clients all the time like stop comparing yourself to cover models on instagram you're not you don't have the same life you don't have the same um the same finances to be able to do that so we've got to do the same stuff when it comes to these things you know your self-esteem and your your self-worth will always be fluctuating and you have to you have to, again similar you have to mold yourself to find where it works at that particular time so i think that's a big that definitely is a big one you're going to constantly be working on it regardless of how probably how much even regardless of how much money you, you make if you win 60 million in the lottery you're still gonna to have to work on these things so 100 percent, man. yeah that's such a valid point i think again the framing around a lot of this messaging how it's delivered to everyone is almost like uh, whatever 
the change that may be is you reach this point of uh, being fully actualized and that's it that's the end point you've done it it stops but what's not acknowledged or rarely acknowledged is that this is ongoing like even if you get to a point where you're, you're experiencing most of the positive like, it's part of the experience of life and I, i'm one for believing that you know you can't experience the highs of happiness if you've never experienced the lows of unhappiness so all of these things are inherent they're all part of the human condition uh, and they're always in flux as you say Andy. yeah i think it's uh, you made quite an interesting point there as well that i think it's something that we do we don't as men we don't seem to have um solid role models with for this kind of stuff this is the kind of this is where the rise of stuff like andrew tate's come from he's looked upon as being a role model because he's confident in himself yes he's talking utter horseshit but there is nobody else up there pushing themselves in the right way and if there was you would hope that people would start to navigate themselves towards that and i think that's a big one if we can go away from this and we can make give value to somebody else or you take this somebody takes the chat that we've had today and they take away and they, they, they do something with it you've affected one person's life that's what you want from this kind of stuff but we need to all do that we need to all affect this so every single person that maybe watches this needs to go and give it give this to somebody somebody else to listen to because it's this is what's important within the fitness industry we are a community and we should all act like we're we're in this together because that's the end of the day this isn't a competition it's it's a community and we need to look at it like that and men's health exactly the same it's a community we should be here to back each other up we're here to pick each other up when we fall down and that's that's just that should be normal that should be normal practice it shouldn't be something that's out of the ordinary or going and giving somebody a, a quick hug and saying hey big guy hope everything's all right great that shouldn't be out of the ordinary that should be the norm mm. simple as that yeah i think um with with this like conversation about role modeling everything else like the, the, a lot of rightly so a lot of the criticism is marketed towards certain people like Andrew, even Jordan Peterson to a certain degree yep. as well. Um, but I think that the broader issue is why are boys and younger men seeking out these role models? And I think part of that is, as you say, is the distinct lack of positive male role models, or at least outspoken ones. Because it is a bit of a, like, I'm getting out of the world small this violin here for men. It's a weird time for What's societally more encouraged is this be vulnerable thing. But as you said, Tom, is like, we don't have the communication skills for that or just the skill set in general. I think there's an issue with that. The listening skill set, which aren't what many are equipped with. But also we're trying to break free from these classic archetypes, which has always brought about a sense of predictability. So I think with men and their identities, although they can sit in with... I don't know, the geezers, because I've never considered myself a real geezer, and acknowledge elements of that make me feel uncomfortable, it doesn't feel aligned with me as a person, is it's much, much easier to sit with that discomfort because that has a predictable outcome. For me, to now, being a bit more confident, spoken, older, wise, however you want to phrase it, is I can accept that not everyone's going to be on board with me, who I am as a person. We all want to be like, that's just an inherent human thing. But also I can accept people aren't going to um, like me for whatever reason that's going to be. And I think being yourself is one of the hardest things you can be growing up. Because I even look at 
my kids now and it's yeah i want them to create this version of themselves and project onto the world and be confident in it but also i do want them to, to be socially accepted i don't want them to be ostracized at school so it's, it's teetering this line of finding the predictability of not being quite myself but fitting in rather than put myself in and i'm going to use the word because i feel like it does feel like that is with men you can feel unsafe being yourself because you don't know what the outcome of that is. so it's like i can be unhappy in the shit that i'm in at the moment because that's predictable outcome or I can risk being myself i don't know what the future holds for that i can be socially rejected by other men you know because Oh, well, I'm not leering over a bird's ass, or I'm not letting clients down the path. Is, you know, there's, I don't know what that outcome means, or to say, oh, hold on a minute, that's not, that's not a problem. I don't want to get into fights and things like that. Is, does that mean they're going to turn on me? Because again, there are no model role models broadly. And actually, you don't have to be that person. Mm. It goes no. against a lot of instinct, though, as well, because I think some of that is like bio biological programming. Because like when you get kicked out of the tribe and you're on your own, you're gonna get fucking eaten by a tiger, right? So there is that element of like sticking with the herd for safety, and I think there's, as as we're sort of we're programmed for it, but now in modern society, learning that that's not as beneficial. But with like a lot of things, like Mother Nature's a million years behind us, right? The modern world is changing so fast and we're not always designed for it and i think that that really um you know it, it, like you say that's why one of the reasons why it's much easier to to fit in and buy the same coat as everyone else and say the same words as everyone else and there's safety there's safety about being in the middle of the middle of the pack to some extent and i think that's what the allure with certain people like andrew Tate is is because they are being outspoken for men and speaking directly to men Whereas I don't think there is many, uh, what's the, the right phrasing, um, more role models with a nuanced view of the world and challenge classic perspectives that are being spoken. I'm a big fan of um, Terry Crews. I don't know whether you've heard of him. You, you watch it. Like he's a very funny actor. But when you, um, this is a great podcast by him um, on Neil Brennan, who's a stand-up comic, is blocks and he speaks about you know how he tried to emulate a certain male identity it was very much violent led he did speaks about his addiction to porn womanizing again all of these things i wouldn't necessarily encourage but that whole vulnerability of being open and honest about that and i don't i think when we talk about vulnerability people think that's crying into cake or something like that but i think it's just being aware of what's going on internally and how you can possibly move past that and he's been, um, I think he's a great one in terms of ownership. He owns all of the mistakes of his past. He's very reflective and open about how he's trying and bettering that now. Is there anything that springs to mind for all of you, kind of you reflect back on 10 years ago, and you're like, oh, fuck it. <laughs> I can't believe I was doing that, but you can kind of realise why you were. Yeah, um, pretty much everything before the age of about 36 probably <laughs> is quite <laughs> fucking cringe-worthy, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, if you were like a, a fucking teenager in the in the 90s, then I, you just did loads of stuff that you're not proud of now, and that's just fucking, you know, that's something yeah, you've got to... Yeah, there was no uh, iPhones around then. <laughs> yeah, 
fucking right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So true. I think that, that, um, that's quite an important part of that conversation. Is, you know, part of my lessons are from making mistakes. And I feel like um, that's almost a privilege that isn't afforded to... Like, you know, don't get me wrong, there's a certain age where you can be afforded that privilege of that. You know, if you're still doing the same shit at 36 <laughs> and you can't be reflective on it, then like possibly there's an issue. But if you look at young teens now that say stupid shit, do stupid shit, I did a lot of stupid shit, there's, um, they're subjected to the consequences without the learning or the, or the possibility of redeeming themselves. Like if you've been shut down, called stupid, or you're an idiot, or you've been like, cancelled on the internet, how do you learn from that? Mm. I think that's, that's the biggest issue, though, isn't it? Like you've got this, like cancel culture in some ways is quite right because some people, some people's opinions is horseshit, like Andrew Tate, for instance. Um, but there are a lot of people that are getting cancelled for certain things that. 20 years ago, you would have got a slap on the wrist for. And actually, you learn from these things. Like You learn from the mistakes that you make, um, and you need, to you need to tell somebody why it's wrong. So don't expect, because you know why it's wrong, that somebody else does know knows why it's wrong. You, we have to we have to understand that we have this is a, a, a quote from a comedian Jim Jeffries Australian comedian probably one of one of my favorite yeah. comedians he goes unfortunately we have to walk at the pace of the slowest member of the society and unfortunately they walk fucking slowly like we have but at the same point just because we are ahead of the game and you're you're walking fast doesn't mean that you have you, you don't tell the person at the back about the obstructions that are coming up and you need to teach people these things it's not it, it, we can't just straight away know that everything's right or everything's wrong as kids and you know as young adults we learned these things we made mistakes we were fucking stupid we learned from them we'll tell our children in the future that by the way you do that, it's not a great idea, you know, it's just one of these things that happens. But this whole thing about like coming down on people and not allowed and, and basically just stopping them completely dead without actually telling them what's wrong and how they can and how they need to look at the, or view it from moving forward is a big issue. Mm, yeah. If you want someone to sorry Tom, can I just interrupt yeah. anyone watching by the way has any questions, please do throw them in the box and I'll make sure we get them answered. Um, sorry, no, I don't carry on. Not at all, man. I think if you want someone to like double down on something, the quickest way is to fucking call them out, right? Yeah. You put someone in a position where they've got to come out swinging, and they, if if the way that you approach that that conversation isn't compassionate, and you go in swinging, they're going to come back swinging, and nothing's ever going to, you know. A guest once said to me on my show, I quote this a lot, but they said, um, "Don't call out, call in," and I think of that all the time, and I, I'm. I will get stuff wrong and make mistakes, and if people want to call me in, then I can learn and I can not do it again, you know, but calling people out is just... Uh, we we yeah. learn from the failures, don't we? We I'm learn from the failures. Sure. We tell clients that every single day of their of, of what they do. We learn from what goes wrong, and then we need to work out how to fix it or how to make ourselves better, how to better ourselves to get past it. And it's exactly the same as this, like, you know, we know that there are a, there's a framework of what is right and what is wrong, but there's also a lot of grey areas in there that some people will not understand why they shouldn't say certain things, and some people, 
and but we need to teach them why why that is we don't just tell them they're fucking idiots and that they should shut up and go back in the box we need to tell them why that is and under and help them educate them that's the, that's the issue is you either know or you don't know but nobody's willing to educate anybody in the mistakes that people are making and i actually probably put that down like i i don't i'm not political in any way or means but i reckon a lot of that was where brexit came from was the fact that you had two opposing sides of the of the the divide one side lied about a whole lot of shit that's now coming to fruition that is was lies the other side had an opportunity to educate the people in the middle that were making decisions and they thought they didn't do it they thought that they all knew that those people would vote the right way and they didn't and that's that's down to both sides fucked it it's not and we need to do that we need to educate people moving forward especially with stuff like men's mental health there are issues with that we need to help educate people that it's not weakness it's not um, that we don't you aren't looked down upon by anybody because of it and we need to help each other out of the hole that's how it works that's how life works it's about humanity and helping people move helping people keep moving forward i'm going to just um like one point i want to just kind of get in with this is as i was a teacher for a long time and i i used to always say to my kids like you don't remember that at some point in life in your life you couldn't walk or talk but you surrounded yourself with people that nurtured you and looked after you and said, look, you did this wrong, but try this this time and try this this time. And then eventually you pick it up. And then I say it to clients all the time. You think that's just such a forgotten memory now, but you had the right environment around you, the right people who nurtured you, who pushed you, who, you know, ultimately when you got it wrong, they didn't just completely dismiss you and say, well, that's it. Mm. Like, like that's just abort that there's no point in doing that like i haven't got kids so i don't know about you guys i know dan's got two and but at, at some point or another when your little ones were falling over dan you were like right this is what you've done wrong this time you know have a little go and then slowly it evolves and eventually they master it and we do that with our pt clients you're like that was great however this time it needs to be a little bit tweaked here you're not shutting somebody down completely and saying that was shit because they're never coming back to you. You're not going to have any business and that client is now suddenly just completely like, where's all my confidence gone? You've just robbed me of it. And I think like, to your point is, we're too often to close down conversations. We're too often to like say, well, that's an opposing view to mine. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna agree with you rather than having a debate. And we might find there's some things we agree on, there's some things that we disagree about, but ultimately I can still be friends with you, you know? Yeah. To the politics thing, I don't necessarily think I'm going to agree with everybody on their politics. Yeah. But I might go to, to the football and I know that, that person has completely different politics to me, but one thing we have in common is that we like watching football, you know? So you keep that money No, I'm joking, sorry. Dan Farage. <laughs> Just to the point there about responsibility there, and I think this is like, I do consider this quite an important thing, is like authentic representation of yourself, representing yourself in the light that you wish others to see you, because that is you. I think that's hugely important, but also the responsibility to um, to treat others how you would expect to be treated. And I think part, part of the problem with this whole call-out culture, the less calling in, is people are less receptive to call in because what's been incentivized is being controversial for the sake of controversy and actually call out culture so you look at most of your social media videos now and it's like someone looking at a phone responding to a video this person's a fucking idiot this is how i know better and that is socially reinf uh, reinforced with the idea that you can accumulate followers on that 
whether people agree with you or disagree with you, that's going to hit more eyes. That's, there's no one being reprimanded for that. It's encouraged, it's incentivized. And then you see these people with huge followings, built that following on calling out people because they're not actually challenging the ideas and the things that they disagree with. They're saying this person has a personal attack. It's a fucking idiot. Um, and that is something I feel like we're, all, we're constantly fighting against this is not incentivized to be responsible with our use of how we challenge things publicly. Yeah, because back, back in the day when there was no social media, you challenged somebody at somebody and they, you it's said the wrong thing, you got a fucking smack in the mouth. It's as simple as that. It's, it's, I, I still think that social media has got some amazing benefits. Obviously, we're sitting, four of us are sitting here just now chatting and it's, it's great. This is, this is what it should be used for. But there are still a lot of absolute bell ends that run around social media that need to be exactly as you said they need to be clamped down upon because there's it's far too much far too much of it's just open it's open season to do what you want and that's not it's like but there's a reason that in the world we have we've got rules and regulations there's a reason why you can't speed there's a reason why you can't drink and drive and social media needs to have these things put in place because you've got a whole bunch of people that can quite happily start abusing people racially, homophobically, homophobically whatever it is, and they're anonymous. That's bullshit. Absolute bullshit. Like that should not be. That should not be a thing. It should never have been a thing. Like you should have to be able. To, if you, it's the same thing as like football. I'd love to see. There was a guy. One of the guys who did it. I'm sure the rugby league did it. There was a guy who basically on the on Twitter had said that after a guy had dropped the ball going over for a try, wish that your family had, would died. They put them in the room together. I tell you what, that would have been an interesting conversation to see because I bet he said nothing to his face. There was no words whatsoever. Like you belly big balls when you're on the back of a, a keyboard warrior, but when it comes to face to face, good luck with that. Yeah. Is the old Mike Tyson quote? There's too many people out there who are too comfortable not getting punched in the face. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I, mean? well, I, I think like, the, the broader issue, especially with social media, is it, it, it's creating this culture where it dehumanises everyone. So it's not necessarily, I think like, part of it is not having the courage to say this face to face because you just wouldn't. Um, but also, like, I just wouldn't say that because that is a bloody awful thing to say. Like, yeah. Some of the stuff that people say online is they're not thinking about, about this individual making eye contact, knowing about their family. It's just you're this, that and the other because it, it strips everyone back. It dehumanises them totally. Um, and I think that's, that's such a, a tragedy. But again, that comes with so much positive reinforcement and encouragement almost, because that's how people are rewarded on Instagram. Yeah. And I, it's one of those ones like, you know, I, I'm very quick to curate what I, what I have on my Instagram and my social media. I have regular calls with people. If that's not bringing me worth, bye, you're gone, I'm done. Um, and I think a lot of that's about exactly as we've said, you know, it's having that confidence and knowing yourself and saying, this isn't bringing me anything like whatsoever. Like, so I'm just going to get rid of it. You know, there are times where like going on holiday and stuff like that, I will genuinely, I'll sh schedule maybe two posts and then I'm not going anywhere near it because I need the time away from it. Cause it's, it's tiring. It's so tiring. <laughs> it's just, it, it just, it drains and, it's unfortunately it's the small amount of people like what we're doing at the moment are the good folk and then it just seems to be a deluge of dickheads is basically the best way to look at it and that's a sad that's a sad it's sad to think that that's how life is but 
that's how social media looks. Yeah, I think everyone's got a different relationship with obviously just just being entirely transparent with mine is I do enjoy aspects like this. I love the, the capacity it has like just to get to know you guys, you know, without I would have got to know connect in this way. But I also don't I don't like how much I have to rely on it and that is always a trouble with work especially yeah. is that I have to do this thing as an aspect of what I do. And it's not because I don't like interacting with people, but I don't like it's you're always have to try you're always fighting the alert to do something you know will work because you're thinking about it responsibly responsibly. So we know half naked images do well. We know like performative, I don't overtly entertaining stuff as well, but that also isn't me all of the time. So for me to do that is inauthentic. So I'm always filled with this this I don't know, this inner discernment like for that person to be there, they're obviously not being authentic all the time. I can't be that person. No. And it's about your integrity as well sometimes. I, like, while we're talking like this, I just can't help thinking of like, you know in extras when like Ricky Gervais like just sells out. <laughs> and like, it's like, you know, the next thing he has like a pop single and he's just like <laughs> repeating his catchphrase. And I just feel like I find it so hard sometimes to come on and be like, I'll be truly authentic and I'll truly like be who I am online. And is that, is that going to be well received? You know, like you said, to your point is that like we, we glorify people who have like, you know, mugging other people off online or posing in certain ways. That's the glorified thing. And then it's like these authentic chats, are they going to get the traction that they desire and they, that we think they should do? Um, yeah, I just can't, I can't get the Ricky Gervais thing out of my head wearing that wig, like just selling out just to be like, right, this is what I've got to do to like... Tops off for the last five minutes, boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the, the truth of it is, again, it's incentivising it? a lot of people um, do set this out. And I think like integrity is a word flippantly thrown around, but people who embody it and talk about it are, are two different things sometimes. Um, but, you know, again, like feeding back to financial pressures and always having to perform for work and you know you essentially like me you guys you make a living from doing this stuff but i want to make a living and i want to work with people based on who i am as a person so you know arguably people come to an online space to make themselves better about themselves but i'm not going to come on here and necessarily like sad fish or grumble about stuff but i am going to be honest when i'm, I'm going through like part of these conversations when you're going through something because this time of year, I, I don't I don't think I'm one of those people that suffer with like sad, that's even affective disorder, but the mood, um, my mood is definitely influenced by the weather and just there are certain things I need to, to keep on top of myself and when I feel pressure to perform, keep on top of the stuff you could, you're already doing is it's exhausting. Mm. Are we coming back to your OnlyFans again? My, only dance. Only dance. Only dance. Pressure to perform. <laughs> And to be fair, I live in Scotland, so we have zero sunlight all year round. So this is the time of year that I'm happy. You're, you're looking to this guy, you're yeah. zero. I'm like, that. It's minus 10. This is the shit I live for. I've acclimatised and evolved to We're also, though, the only species on the planet that doesn't adapt to the seasons, right? So right now, every other mammal, animal, whatever, 
he's hunkering down, changing it up, eating different shit, sleeping more. And we just stay in that summer grind, hustle culture all the way through. And like, I, I've never read a study or seen any science, but I'm convinced there's something in that. Man. I'm convinced that we should be living differently when the planet around us changes. There's something in it. I think there we is. just need to quit your job and just fly elsewhere. You just need to just and sleep, yeah, that's just, it. just eat uh, quite happily. Be Yogi Bear and just dive into a cave for <laughs> months. that'd be amazing fun. <laughs> Come out every month for some food, paid hibernation. <laughs> <laughs> Salarize me to have paid hibernation. That's the new program that'll sell us. That'll be a million as a million pound selling product right there. The hibernation project. <laughs> Can you believe? Um, that's nearly an hour we've been speaking. So I'm just going to say, if anyone, well, people ask them watching, if anyone has any questions, throw them in the box below. And if not, thank you very much for tuning in and thank you to you guys for giving up available time. Sorry, James, you want to add something now? No, I'm going to have to sign off. I don't know if we're going to carry on, but no. I'm going to have to go. Jess, okay, thank you for joining us. Thank you for giving up your valuable time. Guys, I appreciate you. Thank you. Um, I said like I'm going to open these up to as many guys as possible over the month. But if you want to jump in for another one, like I'm not going to pressure anyone or, or, or make them guilty about giving up more of your time. But these chats are going to be going, all going as much as possible. So if anyone wants to start them, anyone that's watched wants to be part of them, give me a shout, and um, I'm more than happy to facilitate it on live. Thank you, guys. Take care. All the very best. Take care. Take care. Take care. Take care. Take care. Take care. Take care.